all of those places. Father, that we may be witnesses. Bless your people in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone in the house of the Lord this morning said, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team and the tech team back there. Would you give them a hand this morning for serving you? thankful for, uh, I got it in 18 font, I should be okay. <laughs> Who knows when I got to go to 20, but thankful for uh, all those who serve our children back in the children's ministry and, and our youth um, and hospitality, all the different uh, parts that have to happen and come together for a Sunday morning to serve God's people. We are thankful for those who, who give up their time, their talent, and their treasure to serve this house and God's people. Amen? Um, how many of you ready for Thanksgiving? You got all the, the turkey bought and, you know, the thawing out. And uh, Some of you are, you know, that last minute. I tend to be last minute. I run to the store and I didn't have to throw it, you know, in the refrigerator, you know, overnight. But, um, you know, Thanksgiving oftentimes can, you know, really be a time that we we reflect on the fact that we get to have turkey together and and we know that that word Thanksgiving, it's kind of like, you know, oh, I'm thankful for the things that I have in my life. I'm thankful for my family, and I'm, I'm thankful for my, my job, and I'm thankful that, you know, that I have a roof over good things. Could you say amen to be thankful for? So uh, that's not wrong in and of itself, but, but I want us to kind of take a different look at the word Thanksgiving this morning. Um, some, I think probably about a year ago, we had a, a Pastor Tim Whipple in, and he shared a message, and he shared about some statistics that we're living in the least, least generous generation to exist since America was founded. Now, it doesn't set well with most of us that, well, well, why are we talking about that, Pastor, because I'm generous. Well, I believe that, that it's so, so important for the church to speak about subjects that the world needs to hear because we need to be challenged in those areas so that we are living according to the way God's called us. So that we are, as I was praying this morning, witnesses for others to see. That they look our, at our life and, and they just can't quite understand. I can say that, you know, in conversation oftentimes uh, with people, uh, believers and non-believers alike, when the subject of giving comes up and I talk about, you know, even, I think it was last week, I mentioned about Angie when I got saved, um, asking me if I wanted to tithe. I said, yeah, give five bucks. And when Angie told me, no, tithe is 10%, I told you I about broke my neck when I looked at her again. And see, you get to talking about that, and what happens is there's a nervousness that sets over yourselves. Because money makes us nervous. Talking about money in the church makes people nervous, Amen. I said, amen. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I read something this past week. Don't preach what people want to hear. Preach what they need to hear. And I do strive to do that. She had to go down. They were trying to brave it out in their home, and she had to go down and get him in the hospital because they were literally on death's door, her father especially. So she got him in the hospital, and she's caring for them. Um, but if she was here, I'd say, hey, go back there and just go ahead and pull the records on everybody's giving and, and let's see if you really believe that. Why am I saying that? I don't really care about your money. I don't. I care about your heart. 
I've never lived as a pastor in, in such a way. I was just talking to somebody this morning, and, and we were talking about the expansion of Mark Shuffle Road, and, and we really want to see a four-year-old. How many like to see a four-year-old out there and you don't just walk straight into the sanctuary? I'd love to see that. We thought we were going to get that about, what, 15 years ago? But we can't build on until they expand the road because we need city water to come here. We're on a well. And if city water doesn't come, we can't sprinkle the building, so we can't expand the size. So we're waiting 15 years on something that on the plan, in the planning department said that, oh, that'll be there in three to five years. 20 years later. <laughs> That's not fun when you're leading a church and, you know, if you will, um, the government gets in your way um, of that. You know, they, they've got it expanded down the road and they've got it expanded down the road here, but, but we're waiting for them to come through, through where we're at, right? So be praying about that because they say in two years it'll be here. Um, please, Lord, please let that be. The other thing is, is we have a daycare and preschool, so we set up and tear down. We have a room in here, but we'd like to expand to the back and have a room where the playground currently is. And then we'll put a brand new state-of-the-art, somebody say state-of-the-art, play, playground on the other side of the basketball court and then fence all of that in. Um, and, uh, you know, the kids would, would be pretty excited, I think, when moms and dads pull up and they see a playground right in front of them. Amen? Uh, the church needs to be a presence in its community. Not just a thought, but a presence. You heard me talk about last week that the church doesn't bill you. We don't send you bills. Anybody get a bill from the church saying, hey, you owe your tithe? Do you know there are churches out there that do that? So it's a, it's a requirement. And if you don't do it, then you can't be in the church. Now, last week I told you that Jesus sets before you an open door. The question is, is your door open to him? Behold, I stand at the door and knock, he says. If any man will open up, I'll come in and I'll sup. In other words, I'll, I'll commune with him. Well, salvation is a free gift. You don't have to purchase it. You don't have to pay for it. Working out your salvation, you know, that is a free gift of God's grace that if you're willing to, to follow him, he's going to allow you to work his salvation out in your life and you're going to experience the fullness of everything that it offers. However, interesting enough that while everything belongs to God, he chose to structure things, to establish things in such a way that he was going to partner with mankind, or let me say it this way, that God invites us to partner with him. Do this for me. Take a deep breath. Deep breath, Ray. Don't get nervous. I'm not taking an offering at the end of service. But I'm going to talk about this because I don't believe that you can be thankful without giving. Flip that word around, and I would say to you that to be thankful is to give. So if I'm, if I'm going to show thanks to somebody, I'm coming with a mindset that I want to give thanks to that person. There's the words that I could offer, but there's definitely the actions. I'm thankful for my wife in, in, in 32 years of marriage. And in that 32 years of marriage, I might have messed that up. I think it's 33 now. I'm glad she's in Pueblo right now. Please don't tell her I said that. She's probably watching online right now. Baby, I love you if I mess that up. Hmm. 
And I'm thankful, but there's, there's those moments, right? You know, we couldn't afford much when we were younger. Can I get a witness? And so the diamond on her finger was relatively small. And, and so at the 20, I think it was 25-year mark, which I think they say 25 years is the silver anniversary, if I'm right. Isn't that correct? The silver anniversary? And she had been, you know, I'd really like to have a, a new ring. Would you now? So what are you thinking? You're thinking about upping that by a quarter of a carat? Yeah, no, that's not what I'm thinking. Of course, you know, as I process that, so you about year 23, or let me say she had been talking about it for a number of years, and we hit year 25, and I'm thinking, you know what, it's time to give her a new ring. Because while I'm thankful for my wife and her dedication to me, there is an expression of giving thanks to show that. Amen? And so um, when I got her new diamond, and she had no idea, I booked a hotel uh, downtown Colorado Springs. I said, let's just go down and spend the night in Colorado Springs and kind of have a date night. And either, there's a uh, Cajun restaurant there. And, um, so we got to eat there. And um, so she just thought we were spending the night. And so she came and, uh, to, the, to the room. I had it all done and I had roses. You know how it goes, guys, right? I see some elbows flying from the ladies. Like, no, you don't know how it goes. <laughs> and take some notes from Pastor right now, right? So uh, she comes in, and, and, you know, I got rose petals on the floor. I got roses sitting on the, you know, on the table there. And, um, and then, of course, a card and how much I appreciate her and, and all our years of marriage and that kind of thing. And, and then um, so she opened all of that, and she was just, oh, you're so sweet and all of that kind of thing. And then I got down on my knee, and I said, would you marry me again? She said, What? And so I pull the ring from behind and I open it up. And ladies, what do you think she did? She cried. Why? Because my thanks was not just an expression, but it was an action. Now, mind you, you can't always take those big actions. Right, guys? It's like, I don't like you right now, Pastor. So just get this message over so I can go home. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) yeah and as much as I love Angie you know and even as I prayed about this message it's um, God you know people's concern one of the number one issues of why people don't want to come to church is they think think the church just wants their money and I, I gotta tell you that I don't want your money but I do want you to want to be in partnership with the Lord and and he chooses to establish a community of believers. I know that every one of us want to come in here and have the best worship service possible to experience God's presence. And, and if, if the sound folks weren't back there running sound, you know, you'd have all these feedback moments and shrill shrieks. And how many of you would find yourself, if you had to live through that for a couple Sundays, you'd be like, I don't know if I want to go there anymore. Can I get an amen? How many of you, of you if... If the children's ministry wasn't back here and we didn't offer something to your children so we could partner with you to train them up in the way they should go and when they grow old they won't depart from it, you'd say, yeah, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. Amen? So, so it takes a community to come together to walk in the teachings of God 
within context of that, to be faithful to that community, to give and partner with God to establish a presence in the greater community that we live in in Colorado Springs. When people drive down that road and they, they see the tower and they see the big R and the cross on the tower, uh, does that cross tell them that there's probably a church that meets there? So it becomes a corporate or a community uh, representation that this is a place you can come and, and, and have an encounter with God and meet the Lord and, and hopefully grow in the Lord. And let me say that many people come through those two doors and they come through those two doors trying to figure life out. Amen? And so in trying to figure that out, they're looking for answers. And they've seen enough, be it online or TV or whatever, that says, you know, God has answers for the challenges that you face in life. Amen? The Bible says that Jesus ministered to the issues of people's life. That he ministered to their issues. What's your issues this morning? What's, what's your needs? What's your challenges? What's your problems? And Jesus ministered to those needs. But mind you, it was not all about just meeting your needs it was about meeting your needs so that you knew you could trust him God's there for you because he wants you to know that you can trust him but if you don't trust him you don't get to experience the fullness of what he has to offer because if you listen that when you come to God you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him if we don't have a diligence about God, what is it that you want? Last week I talked about when he, when opening that door, if we open that door, what is it that he comes in and says, hey, this door is closed to me in your life. Why? Why have you closed this door off? Don't you understand? If you'll open that door up, then I can come in and I will sup with you. I'll have communion with you. My life becomes yours. Your life becomes mine. We, there's an exchange. And let me say, He's the greater and we are the lesser, amen? With someone that's greater and you're the lesser, you're the one that's getting blessed. But if you're not willing to invite them in, then if you're not willing to invite the Lord in, then he can't bless you where he wants to bless you. So don't close yourself off in any area of your life. The greatest area that I believe Jesus pointed out that people close off to because he, he drew a line, he said, you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money because you'll love the one and you'll hate the other. And we live in a society that has more than 90% of the world and yet it's still not enough. Come on now. You know I'm right. And we got people in this nation bickering and fighting over not getting enough. I think that mindset's got to shift back to what it was. In the early days of our nation, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, right, then I will hear from heaven and I will come and I will heal their land. And we quote that, but we do not actually take action. It's like, God, I'm so thankful that you will do this for us. If we'll humble ourselves and pray, turn from your wicked way. Anything that doesn't honor God, let me just say, is wicked. Anything that doesn't put God first in your life is a wicked action. Saints, is this too hard this morning? It is. Hmm. I wrestle. I wrestle between the graciousness and the goodness and the kindness and, and, and the gentleness 
of the Lord and making sure I minister in context to that, but yet preaching a message of God's truth that will bring conviction not only to your heart but my own that, that I would desire to be more like God. And I want you to know that if there's never conviction, then there's, then there's no interest, no desire to want to change if it's condemnation, then the person feels that they could never attain to that. So I don't want you to feel condemned in what I say. I want you to feel convicted. If, it, if the shoe fits, wear it, right? If the shoe fits, wear it. Why? Because it'll change your life and all of a sudden you'll open the door to Jesus to everything in your life, whatever that may be. It could be fears that, that God's not working in your family. It could be um, anger. It could be attitudes towards those that you profess to love. It could be attitudes towards your boss or attitudes towards your employees, attitudes towards your teachers, attitudes towards your students that do not honor God. And I want you to know that that is a roadblock that stands in the way of everything that God wants to do because you profess to believe in his son. Now hear this passage today as we talk about enter with thanksgiving. Enter with thanksgiving. If you're coming to the Lord, enter with thanksgiving. Psalms 100, 1 through 5 says this. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. We've done that. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Very key there, you've got to understand that this passage, this is actually a song. That's the whole chapter one, chapter 100. Um, um, yeah, chapter one, Psalm 100, one through five is the whole chapter. There's nothing else to it. It's a song that the psalmist wrote and he wrote it in reference to worship, to the tabernacle that you enter in, you enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. So when they came to the gates of the tabernacle, to enter in, the first thing they did when they entered in, see, they're thankful and therefore they gave. Do you know they brought what's known as a burnt offering and they, they offered that sacrifice to the Lord. Now understand, Jesus has died for you, but we're still called in partnership with him. We don't have to have the blood of bulls and goats anymore to cover sin because our sin is forgiven once and forevermore. Ah, well, Jesus gave, so I don't ever have to give. Think about that. In our mindset, if we, if we embrace that Jesus gave so that I don't have to give, how do you follow him? How do you become like him if you're not going to embrace the idea that Jesus gave the greatest gift that could ever be given? I shared with you last week that, that he said this, that no one takes my life from me. I give it freely. I lay it down myself. 
The whole principle of, of what Jesus did for us was based in giving. Watch. John 3.16, can you do it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Did what? Gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have. Somebody's got to give for someone to have. He gave his son so that we could have everlasting life. What an exchange. What an exchange. The stronger comes to the weaker and lifts them to the place. Watch, I want to show you something. See, Jesus enters in. He entered into this earth to give his life. Come on. And what do you see from him to the Father? Watch this. When we, and we should take communion today, but we're not ready for that. We'll have to do that next week. So he enters into this earth and gives his life. For what reason? See, watch this. God took his son, blessed his son, broke his son, and gave his son. When we receive communion, what we do in communion is, is we take the bread, we bless the bread, we break the bread, and we give the bread. It's representation of Christ's life given for us. What does he ask in return? They will love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. Anyone? Is, any, is there any place in our life then that's meant to be untouched by God? No. And yet people hold back areas of their life from God because they feel like they're going to give up too much. David this enter his gates, to come into God's presence, to approach God, enter with thanksgiving, be a giver, amen? So I want to ask this, are you thankful enough that it causes you to be a giver? Are you thankful enough to God that it causes you to be a giver into his kingdom work? And watch, how many of you wake up in the morning, you go to the mirror, you look in the mirror and you say this, I hope today I am closer to poverty than I was yesterday. Are you with me here? You got a man, I just want to keep getting poorer and poorer and poorer. Anyone? How many of you, you know, wake up and it's like, okay, I'm going to work. I need to make a paycheck. I got to feed my kids. I got to pay my, my bills, so on and so forth. I want to ask you, is God in your mindset in the first fruits of everything that is increased in your life? Because the first fruits the Bible teaches us belongs to the Lord. It's like, pastor, you're teaching the law. No, I'm teaching faith. The law didn't exist before faith. Abraham gave a, a tenth, a tithe of everything to the Lord. Right? Out of what? Faith. Then comes the law of Moses saying, hey, you're not behaving like your father Abraham. This does belong to me, is what God's saying. Watch, Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. If you wake up in the morning and you're not saying in the mirror, man, I hope I'm poorer today than I was yesterday and poorer tomorrow than I am today. But you're saying, I hope that what I put my hand to brings an increase so that I have security and stability for my family. Then I want you to know the greatest thing you can do is to partner with God. Not just, not just go to work, but go to work in partnership with God. That in your mindset, you're saying, you know, God, everything that I do today, you get a tenth of. So, I mean, I don't know how much you want me to give, but, but I'm open to a lot. You're not with me. 
God, I don't know how much you want me to give, but, but I'm open to it being a lot. It's like, oh, pastor's talking about prosperity. I don't know. I'm not talking about prosperity for prosperity's sake. I'm not talking about just getting rich just to get rich. I'm talking about being in partnership with God. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says it's he, God, who gives you the power to get wealth that you might establish his covenant. Mm, key. God gives you the power to get wealth, but for a reason, to establish his covenant. And how does he choose to do that? That you would partner with him and that you would be committed to the local community you're a part of, wherever that may be, and help it be the greatest church in the community it can possibly be. And let me say this. I enjoy the fact that we're not sitting out in the cold doing service this morning. Anybody? No one's ever heard me come to this pulpit and say, we just can't pay the bills, man, if you don't give, right? And I'll tell you now, we're paying the bills fine. This church is blessed. But I invite you to be a part of that if you're not. Because you're missing out on what God can do in your life. Now, are you thankful enough that it causes you to be a giver? Watch this out of 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 15. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things. Some things, all things. May have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown. And increase the fruits of your righteousness. Do you see that the Bible here is connecting the seed you sow? No matter what that's in. That it is a part of. Of building righteousness in your life. Why is that? It's not so much, well, I did this and I did that. It's the fact that you have tied in and you've partnered with God 100% in your life. I'm not good enough by myself. I need God. Therefore, God come into every part of my life. God, I want to be a sower in every, I want to be a sower of love toward my wife, towards my children, towards my grandchildren, towards my friends, towards the the members of this body that have pastored toward the community that we have here in Colorado Springs, toward the church that we have in Largo, Florida, towards the community in Largo, Florida, towards everywhere that God would call us to go. Because I'm thankful, number one, that he saved me. And I'm not willing to hold on to this treasure that's been put in an earthen vessel and not take it everywhere that God would possibly open the door for me to go. I don't think that we should have such a treasure and keep it to ourselves. I don't think anything that God blesses me with belongs to me. I know it all belongs to him. So when he asks me to come back and give him a tithe, I don't have a problem with it. I'm just thinking of myself like, wow, you're going to let me keep 90% and you're taking 10? I mean, you're God. You could have made it the other way around. Hmm. No, don't lie to me this morning and tell me that didn't make you nervous. And let me find my spot here, fruits of righteousness. Uh, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God, for the admiration of this service not only supplies the needs, <clears throat> not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. You hear me? While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. 
and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now I want to say that what this church did for Largo, there's, there's exactly this going on. There, there is a thanks from them back here because this church took on that, you know what? What's ours is not ours, it's the Lord's. And how can we help other brothers and sisters in Christ and expand the gospel, you know, uh, to the other most parts of the earth? So what I want to do here is I want us to, to reflect then that we enter with thanksgiving, but let me say it this way. We enter with thanks when we give. We enter with thanks when we give. God, I'm thankful. Oh, you're thankful enough, but you're not willing to give. Guys, are you with me? We're there this morning, and I know this is, this is a subject that, you know, oftentimes people are like, man, just don't talk about money. But if I don't do it when a third of what Jesus did talk about was money and possessions, then I am not honoring the Lord to speak to you as his flock and not touch on those areas that our Lord saw fit to spend one-third of his teaching upon. Can you give me an amen? <laughs> Can you give me an enthusiastic amen? <laughs> it's like, amen. We enter with thanks when we give. We enter with thanks when we give worshipfully. See, it's important to see the giving of tithes and offerings as primarily that, worship. An act of worship before God. We worship through song, through prayer, through study of, uh, of the word and obedience to scripture. We worship when we participate in the ordinances of baptism and communion, just as I, the Lord's Supper, just as I, I pointed out this morning. But we should also give our first fruits, the first fruits of our increase to the Lord to honor him in worship of everything that he's given us. Here's Malachi 3, 8 through 10, and it says this, Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now. This is God saying, Test him. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Who's living there right now? Who doesn't have some more room in their life for some, some blessing? I got room. God, bring it on. I know one thing. My grandbabies, they, they, like, they like stuff. And they like food. You know, when they come over, you know, they, they came over. Jeremiah and Daniel are moving into a house up in the monument area, or, well, a little bit south of uh, Northgate. Um, and so they're like, hey, could you watch the kids? You know, and I'm kind of like, well, you know, this is my time for sermon prep and prayer. And, you know, it's like, yeah, we're trying to move in. I'm like, okay, bring them over. Well, at 10 o'clock the night before, I'm like, I, I really don't have anything in the house right now for the kids. So I went to the grocery store, and I got, you know, um, uh, we call them the little gummy gummy packs or whatever, the little right fruit gummies or whatever. And I got uh, donuts and I got, come on, you know. They come to Grandpa's house. I'm telling you right now, man, they don't want to leave. You know? Mom comes to pick them up. Can we stay like two more nights, Mom? It's like, 
I'm going, no, you can't. I love you, but you need to go home. I got a, I got a message to preach on Sunday. Because they want to hang with me and they want to spend time with me. And, and I enjoy it. But I shower them with blessings. And in showering them with blessings, I'm like, hey, God, bring it on. Because these boogers, man, you know, I want to take them snowboarding. How many know going to the mountains not cheap? Huh? Not cheap, is it? But I'm like, I'd like to, I would like to have that with my grandbabies. I can go on the mountain and, and they're cruising with me down the mountain. And you get what I'm saying. You want to do things with your kids and your grandkids and your family and your friends. And you can't do that if you're not blessed. And I'm telling you, if you'll open that door to him, he'll pour out so much blessing that he won't be able to retain it. But if you're stealing from him, <laughs> it's like, well, that's Old Testament, Pastor. Let's go there again because we want sound theology. Can I get an amen? Did Abraham give a tithe of everything he had? Did he do it by faith? And then comes the law. Why? Because they weren't honoring the Lord and they were keeping what belonged to him as he declared it. Now, here's what happens. people. Yeah, but the New Testament, that's all Old Testament and the New Testament, it's different. Yes, you give to God as you purpose in your heart. We'll get there in a minute. You give to God as you purpose in your heart. If we have a better covenant than they had, should it not produce a generosity in us that exceeds what they were required simply by us saying, man, I, I've got the best deal that could ever have been had. I live in the, in the dispensation. I live in the time of the grace of God where I'm not stoned to death for not keeping the law, but I can work out my salvation with fear and trembling unto God. In other words, I can get it right and I have the opportunity to get it right as I approach God. But, he, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm breaking the law and I can't enter, come on, I can't go into the temple because I'm not honoring the Lord. The beauty of it is you are the temple. You have faith in Jesus Christ. He comes, he dwells in you. And this is what I'm saying. His door is an open door for you. The question is, are you opening the door in those areas that Jesus wants to connect with in your life? Let me give you an example. Uh, give me a, a big amen if this is true. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Okay? Here's how it goes. Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but I don't want to follow you in what you did. <laughs> I'm going to follow you, Jesus, with my whole heart. Oh, but not there. Is this resonating? It belongs to God. That never changed. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. Well, Jesus fulfilled it so I don't have to. No, Jesus fulfilled it so that you can. Jesus fulfilled the law so that you can honor him in every way by his grace. And not, it's not through your own effort, but it's rather going to God and saying, God, help me to see. It, it needs to be a revelation. I could tell you today and you leave here and it's like, oh, well, I better start tithing because, you know, pastor's going to beat me up about finance. No, I'm not. And if you feel beat up or you feel condemned, go work it out, read the scripture, and figure it out. Because I don't want you to give out of condemnation. I want you to give out of conviction that you're honoring the Lord so that you can have the benefit of the righteousness that this passage and the passage before it is speaking about that God's blessing over your life is opened up and you won't be able to retain his blessing in your life. So when we enter uh, with thanks, we give worshipfully. Number two, we give sacrificially. 
Uh, people say, well, how much should I give? Well, give enough to make it hurt a little. <laughs> Why do I say that? Because if, if it doesn't affect you, it doesn't make you really process or think how much you need God. It's like, well, I can do this and I don't need anything else from God. Give to the point to where you need God in your life. Get, the Bible talks about get the tithe away from you because getting it away from you is you're not depending on mammon, you're depending on God. And that's your, that's your uh, radical statement that I do not depend on, on the money that I have. That doesn't provide me security. It is God that gives me security. It is God that provides for me. Amen? Hmm. Give so that you feel it. If you don't actually feel it, does it mean anything? 2 Samuel 24 and 24. This is David again. Here's what he says. Then the king said to Rana, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God uh, with that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Here's what that had to do with. David is at this point. Um, they want to bring the ark back. So uh, uh, Nathan's fresh threshing floor, where he buys that, what he does, he sets up an altar, and he, and he uh, slaughters the oxen, he, he sacrifices to the Lord because they want to bring the presence of God back to the city of David. David knew something about entering with thanks and giving. And that ultimately what happened was, is, is you had, had Arana says to David, like, hey, I'll just give all of that to you. Now, look, watch this. Arana is saying, I'll give it to you. Arana's a giver. I'll give it all to you, David. You don't have to, you know, to give me anything for it. And David's like, I'm not going to offer something to God that doesn't cost me anything. No, I will buy it from you so that I'm giving God an offering. And I feel it, that there's, there's some sacrifice to it. And ultimately, if I don't do that, then what have I given to the Lord? I've taken from someone else and given that. Amen? So we have, to, we have to pray through those things and understand that if it, man, if it hurts a little, man, I just don't know. Can I afford? Anybody ever say that? I don't know if I can afford to give God 10% of my, my income. That's the, yeah, man, that's the statement, right? Can't afford not to. But yet we don't necessarily think that way. And I want you to know it's okay that you're thinking that way. It's okay for you to process that and to think, I don't, just don't know if I can. Because that tells me you're budget conscious. But I want you to know if God's not in your budget, you're not testing him where he can pour out so much that you can't retain it. And if it's not costing you anything, are you worshiping God? Because, God, I'm so thankful for everything you do in my life. Yeah, would, would you honor me with the tithe? Well, everything except for that, Lord. Number three, we enter with thanks and give generously. We enter with thanks when we give generously. Generosity flows from faith in God. Generosity flows from faith in God. Is he, have you ever heard this term, Jehovah Jireh? What's it mean? The Lord my provider, Jehovah Jireh. Is he your provider? And if he is your provider, then you can have faith that he's going to show up in your life. Watch this. Psalm 37, 21 says, The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Generosity. Luke 6, 38, Give 
and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom. In other words, it's going to come from places you don't even know that it's going to come from. You'd be shocked sometimes how, how things will open up and all of a sudden the blessing of God will come into your life. Now, even as I was, I was sharing with you about giving and, and God opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out so much blessing, you're, you're not able to retain it. Before I came to take this church, um, I had been in ministry. There was a minister that, had, that I was under. He had fallen, and, and it pretty much it collapsed the ministry. Now, understand, I come out of the military. I go into this ministry, and it's a parachurch ministry. We traveled all over the world, preached the gospel. And he fell morally, and, and what it did when he fell morally, it collapsed everything, and then Angie and I are just kind of standing there like, well, what are we going to do now? Y'all get where I'm coming from. You ever been in a hard situation like that? So what I do is I, I'm like, well, God, I don't know what to do. And, and, and at that point, I'm in fear, like i got to take care of my family. And so I'm like, well, I'll just move back to Ohio, you know, back home. Um, I call up the guy I worked for when I was a kid, uh, a, a contractor. I call him up and say, hey, could, you know, could I... Would you give me a job? He said, yeah. So I told Ange, like, okay, I got a job. Let's just move back to Ohio, and I'll work in construction. My heart was crushed being under that ministry and that all happening, Angie and I both. But, but in that, we, we go back to Ohio. I work in a, in, for this contractor, and, and, and thank God. It was a godsend, but it wasn't enough to provide for my family. And so, you know, then I had a, a, a jump from that, and I went into the iron workers, and I'm working in the iron workers, um, and... Uh, and let me just say, your, your journey, everybody's got a story and your journey of, of all of that. And let me tell you what happened for me. From that point where Angie told me, hey, do you want to give tithe? And I'm like, yeah, five bucks. And she said, no, tithe's 10%. Of everything you make, when I broke my neck, I'm like, what? You know, that's impossible. I'm a private in the army. And then so, so but I did. I read the scripture. And I'm like, man, you know, it began with Abraham out of faith. And then the law enters in. And then what you see, Christ fulfills the law. You can guarantee Jesus tithe of all his increase <laughs> is there anybody learned in the house of the Lord this morning that can say amen? amen Jesus honored the Lord with the tithe he honored God with the tithe and so so then what you have is you have this moment for me where I'm in that ministry and the minister fails now watch how people start to justify why they don't well I don't know what the church is doing with it and I don't you know it's like well you're in here you got children's ministry, you've got youth ministry. It doesn't get established without you. You help to make this what it is. Let me just say it that way. Okay? So, but here I am, and that minister morally fails, and all that happens. And so I enter this season where I'm like, well, you know what? I've given so much, and now look at where I'm at, and, and this has been destructive to my life. And so I kind of start to hold the tithe. Now, here's what the interesting part about that is I'm just putting it back. I'm still, I got it. I just, where am I going to give it? And all of a sudden, um, I blow my shoulder out uh, playing basketball. My brother Brent, some of you remember him, he, hey man, let's play basketball, alumni basketball with the high school team we played with and all that. I said, bro, I can't get hurt. I got three babies to feed and you know, I can't get hurt playing basketball. He goes, you ain't going to get hurt. And I'm like, oh, no, you know, famous last words, right? So I go out and I'm playing basketball with him and the team and that. And there was a, 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 two years before me, there was a team from two years before, you know, it's alumni, meaning all the different basketball teams from years gone by. Well, there's just one guy, he's about 300 pounds. The ball gets away, and me being aggressive, I jump on the ball and I grab the ball. My arm is 
the ball height of, above the ground, he jumps on me and lands on my shoulder. And my shoulder just goes crack, crunch. I, I mean, I hear it and I feel it. And my, my whole, everything got hot. And, and, and I literally, I was in shock because I'm, I mean, I'm laying on the ground kind of writhing in pain. And, and, and being my older brother, Brent comes up and he just goes, come on, man, get up, shake it off. Yeah. Older brother, right? So what do I do? I jump to my feet and I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I don't know, man. I'm getting flush. I'm like, I just don't know. I don't. He goes, you're good, man, you're good. And I'm like, yeah. And, and, I can feel, and I'm like, and I rotate my shoulder and all I hear is crunch, crunch, crunch. And I feel something that I've never felt pain like that. And I do one of these, like, and I just start walking to the sideline where Angie was sitting, and just kind of, I walk over to Angie, and I do the turn, I'm like, we got to go. And I just walk toward the door. I'm, I'm heading out of the gym, just walking, and Angie, we got kids there, and she turns to one of our friends, can you take the kids? I guess I got to go. And I, so I'm walking out, she comes running behind me, I'm walking up to, we had a Jeep Cherokee, I'm walking up to it, and I get to the door, I'm like, open the door, open the door, please open the door, open the door. She opens the door, I sit in the seat, and I pass out. Drives me to the hospital. I get in there, and of course, you know, after some time goes by, things kind of settle in, right? And I get in finally to the doctor, and he takes my arm. He goes, we'll see what we got here. Anybody ever, right? Let's see what we got here. And he raises, oh, I scream like a little girl, man. <laughs> High-pitched, man. I, I mean, it came out of me like nobody's business, man. And so they did an x-ray, and it was a C3 separation. I snapped all three ligaments in my shoulder, collarbone, shoulder blade, everything connects there. This, this uh, side's about a half inch higher than the other now. But so, I, you know, I go through that whole process. I'm slung up. Now I'm four months. I'm actually four months to heal. I can't go to work. I didn't get injured at work. So I end up, we're making very, very little. I got that money that belonged to the Lord. We'll make it. We've got that. It was interesting how God, this moment, like, it just washed over me. It's like it belongs to the Lord. And your greatest hope is to give it to him. You know, you kind of, I'm going to be getting $400 a month in disability because this didn't happen at work. I can't support my family. And I gave it to the Lord. And we went through the hardest time, man, barely having enough to eat. And I'll never forget the kids. I'm tired of rice and beans. Come on now. Anybody ever been down and out that bad? And then uh, the church we were going to, a lady shows up, a bunch of groceries in her arms. Her and her husband. We got bags of groceries. I go to the door. I open the door. And I said, uh, hey, what's that? And she goes, the Lord told us to bring this to you. And we hadn't told anybody about our situation. They could obviously maybe see that, you know, they knew I was injured or whatever. But they didn't know, you know, how bad things were. And I said, well, you know, we don't need that. She put the groceries down that she was holding. And she looks at me and she went, God said, your pride brought you to this place. And I went, <laughs> I, I mean, I broke Convictions is different, it's different than condemnation. And I hope I come across that way today because I don't want you to be condemned if you're not giving to the Lord. I want you to know that he's waiting to do a miracle in your life if you're willing to partner with him. 
I gave all of that to the Lord, but yet, see, I still was in that place where I held it back because I was hurt by this or I was hurt by that, so I'm not going to. And I came to this moment of desperation, and I'm kind of like, God, whatever you want. I know that this is right, and I should do this. This is our church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give. And I did, and the groceries show up at the front door. And all I know when I'm back in my office, I'm, I'm, I'm back there just, so, I'm so sorry, God. <laughs> Real manly. I hear my kids in the living room dancing around. We got Pop-Tarts. We got Pop-Tarts. <laughs> the windows of heaven had opened up and poured out blessing, man, that those kids were celebrating. And I'm back there. <laughs> but that started this turn in me. Conviction. Having another believer to actually say, God said pride brought you to where you're at in your life right now. And it, the truth set me free. It broke me. It cleansed my soul. And it took some time to kind of work through everything that was going on. But I will never forget, as, as I'm healing, I'm home with the kids. Angie was working a temp job. She got a temp job, and that kind of helped things a little. But, but me at home watching the kids all day, the windows of heaven were not pouring blessing out over me at that moment. <laughs> I know I'm taking longer than I should today. I want this to be the best Thanksgiving that you've ever had. And let me tell you that the best Thanksgiving you can ever have is to enter in with thanks and give to the Lord. Here's what God did right out of that. I heal. I can't get a job, you know, because I'm hurt. I can't go. I tried to go back into iron workers. I couldn't turn the pliers because of the motion. It, it would actually go into my shoulder. I, I dropped the pliers. and So I, I, I had a long way to go if I wanted to heal to be able to do that. And so I'm just like, God, I don't know what to do. I've got to take care of my family. And so uh, a friend of mine, brother-in-law actually, said to me, he goes, you got to go into sales. And I'm like, I'm not a salesman. He goes, but you're personable. I think, I think if you learned, you know, uh, the product, I think you'd be able to, to sell. I'm like, I did, bro, that's just not something I've ever seen myself doing. And he goes, well, you can't go back into construction. And I'm just saying that that would be something maybe you could do. And the construction part of it could play into knowledge that you need to do that in a specific field. And so he worked in, in uh, territorial sales for Hardy Backerboard for showers and stuff like that. Like, you know, it's... Um, if you put tile on, it's the backer board. And um, he said, I know some people, you know, maybe I can get an interview. McSwain Carpet. Christian men, family-owned business. Um, Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky stores everywhere. And uh, so I'm like, okay. So I go in for my interview with a guy by the name of Mike. I meet with the HR gal first. Uh, and she sets the meeting up for me to meet with the general manager, which is is, is Mike. And uh, so I go in, and he says, so have you ever sold anything? I said, nope. Okay. Um, why are you here? I said, well, I need a job. He goes, yeah, people do a lot of things, but something you don't have experience in, it's going to take a while. I know. And he said, um, so, so um, if you could do anything with your life, what would you do? I said, well, I'd pastor and plant churches. Why are you here? I'm like, well, I need a job. I mean, I don't, I don't like if you believe in the Bible or anything, but he goes, yeah, I do. And, he, and I said, but 
you know, I mean, it's kind of like Paul made tents. And there's times he was totally focused on ministry and other times he had to make tents. And, you know, this is a tent season for me for sure. But if you hire me, I'll give you 100%. I'm a self-starter, so you're not going to have to babysit me. Just give me the training and, and I'll, I'll take off. So he said, okay. So then I get my package. I'm going to make $15,000 a year. <laughs> like, um, that's not much better than, you know, I'm standing in front of the mirror. It's like, I just want to be in poverty today. <laughs> 15000 is not doing it for a family of five. Can I get an amen? So there I am, and I get 1% commissions on everything I sell. I'm like, woo <laughs> So I go through the training the first month. Y'all give me a little bit more time. I want to nail this this morning, and I want you to understand that it's not about you better do this. It's about, man, be in partnership with God at every cost. I go through the training. I'm on the floor. I get my first sale. And I'm selling flooring, carpet and, you know, tile and hardwood and that kind of thing. And so my first sale. And I got to go to the house and I got to measure, you know, the space and then, you know, lock the deal in. So I go to the house and it's a bedroom. It's, it's 11 by, by 12 bedroom. I measure it, I'm driving back to the office, I'm like, even if I was making commission, I'd be making like 40 bucks on that, man. I'm going to starve to death. God, what, is, what are you doing? What, this isn't, I can't support my family on this. And I'm, so do you ever have those moments with God where you start telling him, God, you just don't understand? Right? And, you, and you know, it's bad enough as it is. But all of a sudden, I'm, I'm having this conversation with God, and I hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit say, go in and, and, and go off the uh, salary and just, just go straight commissions. I want you to know, right there, going down the highway, I zipped off the road. And I park on the side of the road, you know, far enough off, and I get out of my car, and I'm walking around in the ditch. I'm like, God, I don't know what you're doing to me. I, I, you know, I know that was you that spoke to me. But I, but I could swear it was the devil, but I know it was you. And I got to know, what are you doing? And I am beside myself. I am stressed out. Like, God, I got to take care of my family. This isn't going to work. And God said, go take yourself off, off the salary and go straight commission. And see, I'd come to this place, right? Like, giving to the Lord when it was the hardest time. And then, you know, how the Lord did that with the groceries coming and all those things. And so there's this thing in me that's saying, God, I'll trust you. It's that Job moment of though you slay me. My first month on the floor, I made what I would have made on the salary. My second month, I made double. My third month, I made triple of that. And, and, and on and on it goes. And basically by the sixth month, 60-some uh, salesmen, I had bumped the number three spot out. And I became the number three salesman in the whole company. By month seven, I bump out the number one salesman. I become the number one salesman in the company. And all of a sudden, then what happens is they come to me like, how are you doing this? You have a 97% closing ratio. That's impossible. I'm like, I just qualify the customer, ask them questions. Like, yeah, but, I mean, you got people shopping us, going down the road, and, and people are, are offering them a deal that's two and three and $400 less, and they're coming back to you and buying. What are you doing? I said, just caring about people. Okay, well, you need to put a training together for our next sales training. And I want whatever you're doing, I want you to talk about it. 
And I went into that and said, you can't fake care. As a salesman, you can't fake care. People know if they're a number or a person to you. They know if you care about their budget or how much money you're going to make off of them. So ask them questions that have concern for them, not yourself. And while you want to make the company money, the reality is, you know, when you're in a position, you want to, you want to bless your boss and, you know, the company you're a part of because you have a job there. But at the same time, how much money are you going to make them if people are walking away and they don't trust you because they know that you don't care about them? So where the next closest closing ratio was somewhere around 37%, I'm at 97%. If I can just get all the salesmen up to about, you know, 30 or uh, 50%, what would that do for that company? Are you hearing me here? You understand that's a Joseph thing in a lot of ways that the Lord's blessing is over you and you do things the way. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. They're higher than ours. And when we live by them, the principles of that begin to work in our life and all of a sudden we find ourselves having so much blessing we're not able to retain it i'm honoring the lord with the tithe let me tell you my pastor back in ohio he loved me dude yeah i had one month i think a uh, twenty-one thousand dollars i made in one month i was a uh, 200 something thousand a year is where i was and and as a result of of what i was doing god's hand on my life led to the point when mike was going to go take take um he was going to go take uh, the hardwood division as its CEO. They offered me the general manage, manager's position, and I had only been with them a little over a year. Can somebody say a half a million? The day before they offered me that, a door opened to come here and pastor this church. I had a call with the pastor of the church back then. We were talking. Angie and I were coming out on vacation. And, and I said, you know, I kind of think God might be at some point prompting us to move back to Colorado Springs and kind of finish because we're in ministry here, went back to Ohio and that whole, can I say, that valley, that experience, that walk of God refining things in me and getting my heart right. Even though, even though someone else had, had failed me, what happened was is God worked on me through that to say, are you going to walk in offense or are you going to forgive so that I can continue to work in your life? And I had to get out of offense. First thing was taking what I was setting back for the Lord but not giving because I don't trust man. Well, don't trust man. Jesus didn't trust any man. Don't trust me. Trust the Lord. And as you give, watch how he'll work in your life. <laughs> watch this. That pastor said, uh, well, that's interesting. Your timing's interesting. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. I said, we just feel like maybe God's doing something. We're going to come on vacation and want to get lunch with you. And I get off the phone and all that could all resonated in me, your timings in it. See, one word from God all of a sudden begins to alter your life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. And I had that word. It was like, your timing's interesting, and it's resonating in me. And I'm like, I just started praying. About 20 minutes of prayer over this, and then the Lord drops in my heart. If he was to call you and ask you to help him with that church, and he'd pass it off in a couple years, would you do it? No. Nope. Seriously, I went, nope. I know how to do this one. If that's the Lord, my wife and I have to be in full agreement. You know, you, right? Couples where, where you don't agree, right? Two can't walk together unless they're in agreement. So I saw my out, Angie. Because, dude, I'm making some money. I come home and say, man, I made, you know, $5,000 today. She goes, well, go back to work. I'm like, that's not enough in a day. <laughs> you know? 
gee whiz, you greedy, you know. So what happens is, is I literally go down to Angie, and I'm like, hey, I, so I had a talk with him about having lunch when we go on vacation. He said my timing was interesting. I got off the phone. I started praying. And I felt like the Lord said if, if he was to pass that church off in a couple years, you know, you know, uh, would we go and help him with that? He'd pass it off in a couple years. And Angie looks at me dead in the eyes, and this is what her words were. I'll sleep on the floor to be back in full-time ministry. I'm not. I walked out of the house and went to work. And I'm like, what? You nuts, woman. Why? Because for all the money, for everything that had transpired, you're never happier than you are when you're walking lockstep with God in the call he has over your life. Nothing will satisfy you like being in lockstep with God. Heart, mind, soul, every bit of you. And Angie knew. For us, that was it. So I went to work and I kept working. The next day I get called to the main office and they offer me his job. And I'm sitting there going, like, dude, that's the road to a millionaire in a heartbeat. Which am I going to take? And I said to him, I said, gentlemen, I don't know what to say to you. Something happened yesterday. And when I came here, I told you I'd give you everything I feel like I have. Um, but if I could pastor or plant church, that's what I'd do. And I think a door might be opening. I'm not sure. But it wouldn't be right for me to take the position if, if that was the case. Right? Bosses are like, are you seriously turning this down right now? It's like, well, I don't, I want to walk in integrity. So they come to me like, well, pray about it. <laughs> it's not going to happen for, you know, about six months. But, but would you pray about it? And, and you know, just, just don't turn it down yet. Just pray about it. So I did. Um, and there would be these moments where I'd pass the CEO or the manager. It's like, hey. If um, I told you I saw a burning bush last night and it said you're to stay here and take that position, would you do it? I'm like, well, not if I'm seeing a burning bush that says I got to go so I can pastor a church. I'm like, well, that's cool. They were good, godly Christian men. And uh, they understood. Um, here's the thing that this goes to. Generosity. Number four, willingly. Inner with thanks, and give willingly of your time, your talent, and your treasure. Be a good Samaritan. Because, you know, what does love for one's neighbor look like? A good Samaritan? That he'll give of his time, his talent, and his treasure. I might even add another T in there. You ready for it? Your transportation. Because he used his donkey to get the man to the end. Use your car, whatever you got to do, get people to the end. Get them into the community of variance, both the love, the mercy, the grace, and the truth of God, that their life might be transformed by his presence. Here we go. Giving is not an account to settle. It's a relationship to value. Your giving's not an account you need to settle. It's a relationship you need to value. Chronicles, First um, Chronicles 29 and 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. All things come from God, and from what is his we actually give back to him. 
1 Chronicles 29 and 17. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. Think about that. They, they begin to offer to build the, the covenant of God, the kingdom of God in the earth. And David was talking about how they willingly did that. Let me say this. I don't want anybody ever coming to this church, being a part of our community and feeling like they have to. Because if you feel that way, please don't do it until you feel like you want to. That's the important part. That's giving out of a heart of worship. Amen. And number five, cheerfully. Right? Enter with thanks and give cheerfully. If giving makes you mad, ask yourself why. If giving makes you mad, ask yourself why. Two Chronicles, or two, excuse me, two Corinthians nine six through seven says, "But this I say: He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one, each one, each one of you give as his purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver." Here's what I always tell people: Start. You can't start with 10%, start with one, and then move to two, and then to three. Work out your salvation. Walk that out with God and say, God, I'm, I know that that's not what you ask for. What he asked for is a cheerful heart. If you can only give 1% and be cheerful about it, start there, and then move to two. And the next thing you know, you're going to be in a place to where you're given to establish the kingdom of God, and you're not going to have enough room to retain what God will bless you with. Am I saying that every season of your life is going to be easy? Nope, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, that in the, in the down times, God's still there, and in the up times, God is still there. Don't forget him. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. This is what it says, Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. He gives you power to get wealth. Well, right prior to that, he says this. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, lest you forget the Lord and say, look at what I've done. It's my hands that have produced this. And then all of a sudden, you've fallen into this place in your relationship with God where you dishonor all that he does for you. Number six, in closing. Glory to God. We enter with thanks to give glory to God. It's easy to speak words of thanks. It's harder to respond with actions. We can give the words easy, but it's harder to... To, to move with those actions. 2 Corinthians, this is 9, 13 through 15. While through the proof of this ministry, we've read this uh, in the beginning, of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God, for his indescribable gift. God has an indescribable gift of salvation. He has an indescribable gift of salvation for every part of your life. Not just saving you for eternal life, but saving you so that you can have an abundant, right? Zoe life, right? The fullness of, of the life that Christ wants you to have. In Philippians 4, 15 through 20 says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you, but, but you only. 
For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus um, uh, the things he sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, and acceptable, there's that word again, sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, or Christ, yeah, by Christ Jesus. Now, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's all for his glory. Everything that we do to establish his covenant is meant to be for glory, to return to him. And I close here as the worship team comes. Enter with thanks. Enter with thanks and give. Psalm 101 through 5 again. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is good. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Stand your feet with me this morning. I can imagine some conversations on your way home. They're going to go like this. Gee whiz, that was a lot. Man, we're going to have to start doing this. I'm going to ask you to do this. Just pray. Be settled in your spirit and pray and ask God to begin to show you by his, by his conviction. Not by the words of the preacher, but by God's word to you. And when that settles in your heart, here's what I would say to you. Just act in thankfulness. Don't just say it. Take a step and do something. Because that's the point. When corresponding action, right? Faith plus corresponding action will equal the result. It's not just mental sin. It's not just words. But our whole heart causes our whole being to be engaged with God. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people this morning. And Lord, as Thanksgiving approaches, I pray that as this applies to us and you, that God, we would also see how it applies to us in our marriages, Lord God, how it applies to us with our children. That God, even from children to their parents, that there would be Thanksgiving. And they may not have money to give. God, what they do have to give is their love back to their mom and dad. And I pray, God, that that law of sowing and reaping, Father, would be at work in your people's lives. Lord, in the secular world, we tend to call it the law of reciprocity. If I'm in, is are they in? And so, Father, I pray we would see that you're all in, and that's why you gave your son, Jesus Christ, for us. So, Lord, I pray that as we all walk, Lord God, in obedience to your we begin to step, Lord God, and walk this out, that we would see your hand of blessing, Father God, truly pouring out so much blessing that we're not able to retain it. But God, we have to be a blessing to everyone else around us, because Lord, that is your character. Lord, I love your people, and I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this as we go today. Yeah. All right.
All right, we're going to sing about how much the Lord loves us this morning and send us off right today, okay? I'm not.